Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Hey Amen. I want to talk for just a few minutes. It's 1040. I don't want to hold you very long, but I want to talk about this subject that you see before you. It's time to catch. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to catch. It's not time to fish, but it's time to catch. Me, me and my buddies have a phrase when we call each other and ask each other if we want to go fishing. We don't say, do you want to go fishing? We say, do you want to go catching? Because fishing means that you're not getting anything. But when you're catching, it means there's something on the other end of that hook. And we like catching. We don't like fishing, but we like catching. And I just think that it's time as a church for us to start catching. It's time for us to start growing. It's time for us to start seeing with our eyes what we see with our spiritual eyes. It's time for what we feel in the spirit to be made manifest in the physical. And I just believe that it's time to start catching. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to catch. It's time to catch. We're, uh, uh, we're not wasting our time, but we've been just doing our due diligence and, and we've been getting ready and we've been checking the tides and we've been checking the wind patterns and we've been checking the water temperature. But now, but now we realize that it is time to catch and I'm glad about it. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that a mighty revival was prophesied over this church as Brother Gurley was preaching. He said a hundred soul revival and I believe that that was not his words but that was the Lord's words. And so why don't we just give God praise in advance for the catch that's coming our way. Come on, why don't you thank him like you really believe it. Why don't you thank him like the room is already full? Why don't you thank him like the parking lot is already full? Thank you, Jesus, for the catch that's coming my way. Amen, amen. I believe it's coming. I believe that it's coming. Growth is happening like we've never seen before, like we've never seen before in this area. And that is just, that, that is just a physical representation or manifestation that's going to transcend to the spiritual. As more people move to the community, more people will be hungry for God and more people will frequent our church. And I'm thankful and I celebrate the possibilities and the future that lies before us as a church. The future is bright. The revival, the revival that, we, that we've experienced in years past is just a type. It's just a blip on the map has in store for us as a future and I'm thankful that God has a plan for us in the future the prophet said it like this for I know the plans for you and they're good plans they're plans to prosper you and not harm you and I receive that as a church God's plan for this church is to prosper God's plan for this church is to grow. It's not to shrink. It's not to be harmed. It's not to fizzle and die out. But his plans are to prosper. So every time you come into the doors, you ought to be ready to prosper. You ought to be excited about what God is doing. You ought to be excited and joyful about the possibility that lies before us. The opportunity that is waiting upon us. The opportunity is ours to act upon. It won't 
happen unless you and I act upon it. It takes, it takes discipline on your part and on my part to act on the promises of God. The promises of God are yea and amen. But unless we believe the promise and unless we really not just believe with our mind and with our words, but if we believe with our actions, if we really go fishing, if we really go looking for hungry people, if we really go seeking the lost, if we really go out into the highways and the byways, I believe that our fishing will turn into catching. You see, I love catching. I hate fishing, but I love catching. I will fish all night long just for that one 15 or 20 minute period that you put together that equals the time that I caught fishing. And to prove it, I want to tell you a little story. A couple of weeks ago, I received a phone call from my buddy and he said, hey man, you want to go catching? And I said, what time? And he said, meet me underneath the 45 causeway in Galveston, the big bridge that takes you to the island. He said, meet me under that at so at such and such time and load all your gear and I'll be there. I'll have the bait for you because the bait, the bait shop closed before we fish. We were going to get there about 1130 or midnight. The bait shop closed about 10. And so he said, he, he said, I'll have everything ready. You just be there and we'll hop in the kayaks and we'll go catching. So I met him there and we went to fishing and we went to fishing and about an hour in I had caught about 18, about 18 or 19 fish. But the problem was is they were all really 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 little I was having a lot of fun but I couldn't keep anything and just a few pylons over probably uh, uh, the distance from where I'm at to the back wall of the sanctuary was my buddy and he was fishing and we were he was under one light I was underneath another light and there were several other kayakers out there but 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 my buddy just a few yards away wasn't catching nothing I mean we 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 were so close to each other but I was catching every Everything that really was nothing, because they were all uh, they were all, they were all smaller than the legal limit to, to keep. And my buddy had nothing, and he was getting frustrated. And finally, I got tired of catching stuff that I couldn't really claim. So my buddy, in his exasperation, he said, "Let's go to a different spot." I, I, I've been hearing about this spot across the island and I want to go to it and, and it's not going to hurt nothing. We're wasting our time here, so let's go try out the other spot. So we rode back in and we loaded up our gear. We got in the trucks and we drove all the way around Galveston out out towards, I guess it's, I guess it's the, the southwestern side of the island. And we found, what we found was a big, fancy, nice marina that I didn't even know existed and big, fancy, nice houses that I didn't even know Galveston had. I'm talking fancy stuff. I'm talking swanky stuff. I'm talking, I'm talking nice. I'm talking, I'm talking big old million dollar boats, really nice stuff. And so, and so the marina was closed, but being the good preachers that me and my buddy were, as we just snuck in anyway, and, and, and we put our kayaks in and we repented afterwards and we left a $10 deal in the door hole, a, a $10 bill in, in the door hole. And we hope it was $10. We hope it wasn't any more ramp where we put in. And so, and, and, and so we and so we paddled out into the main canal and we turned right, which would have been north, and and, and we paddled a couple miles and, and and we started seeing these big green lights glowing in the water. They were off to the right, off to the right side of the canal, and we realized that we were where we were supposed to be going. It was 
pitch black. It, it was cloudy that night. There, you couldn't see the moon. The only light that we had was our headlamps. We couldn't see past the front of the kayaks. We finally pulled out our cell phones, and we were using Google Earth, and it was Google Earth and Instinct, and we were hoping that we were headed towards the bay and not the ocean because we could hear the waves crashing, and we didn't want to get caught up in that. And so when we saw the big green lights, my wife is getting nervous right now because she hates what I do because it's supposedly it's dangerous amen so 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 we saw the big green lights and so we knew that we were in the right direction so we kept on paddling and eventually we got there and where the big green lights were situated was on the back side of these big fancy vacation homes with these with uh, I mean these houses didn't have one boat I mean they had the big offshore boats and then next to it they had the smaller bay boats I mean these boys were ready to fish no matter where they were going they were ready to go. They had the equipment to get there. And so the back side of these really nice houses uh, in, in this one subdivision were the small canals. Uh, and in, in these canals, about every two or three hundred yards, uh, was these massive, high-powered green lights that sat at the bottom of the canals. And so, and so what that green light does is it, uh, it, is it attracts the small bait fish, and then the small bait fish uh, attract the big puppies that we were wanting to catch. And so, and so we paddled up, and you have to be very, very quiet because if you can see the fish, the fish, uh, the fish can see you. So we went in stealth mode. We turned off our headlamps. We didn't say anything. He went one way. I went the other way. And we could see the fish, so we pulled out our tackle, and we started sight casting. After about two or three hours of doing this, uh, we had still caught nothing. We could see the fish. There were nice fish. Uh, we, uh, uh, we had anchored up just, uh, uh, just a few yards short uh, of the lights, and we were casting past the lights. So as our bait dropped, we would be in the target zone or the, or the water column, if you will, of where the fish were. And so we would, uh, we would come through perfect, uh, right at the perfect striking zone. But we were not getting anything. We could see our bait coming across the light right past the fish uh, and nothing was happening. So we would get tired of one spot and we would change spots. And so we went through all of these canals, probably five or six canals. And finally, finally it was about Four o'clock in the morning, it was, we were tired. Uh, it, when you're sitting down in a little kayak that long, you start to get really uncomfortable. I mean, I, I had eaten all my Rice Krispie treats. I mean, I didn't have nothing else to eat. I mean, because those are so healthy and they're good for you when you're sitting there being still. They really help you lose weight. And so, and, and, and so there we sat. We were getting tired. I was beyond ready to go, but my buddy is, I mean, he, he, he's fishing for the long haul. And so, and so I was being a good friend, and I was just fishing with him. And finally, we said, okay, the sun's about to be coming up. Let's paddle out, and let's go out towards the bay, and let's fish the, uh, 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 let's fish the flats or the marsh. Uh, that's where the redfish will be telling. As the sun comes up, they'll be eating. We can see their tails. Uh, they have, like, silvery gold tails with a big black dot on them. They're really easy to spot. They're really beautiful fish. And so let's go out, and let's see if we can do something. We're on our way out. On our way out, we came to the very first light that we passed that we didn't stop at, and there was fish there. And so we said, let's stop here, and let's just see if we catch anything. So we threw our anchors out, and we, and, and we began to fish. And both of us, on the very 
first cast, we began to catch fish. We started catching reds. We started catching trout. It was a great time. It made that whole night worth it. Just for that 15 minutes of fishing, it was worth it. The, the change in the spots, the cold weather, the wind, everything that we were enduring, the sleepiness, the grouchiness, the hunger pains that was coming up inside of me, it was worth it for that one short amount of time where we were catching. Everybody say catching. Catching. And it's, it's this story that I want to use as a springboard to our text this morning. If you have your Bibles or you can look to your screen or to your trusty smartphone, Luke chapter 5. And, we, and when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, this is, this is Jesus talking to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. Everybody say catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. We have worked all night long. We have fished and we have caught nothing. I can relate to the good elder right there. And then Simon Peter said, Nevertheless, at your word or at your command, I will let down my net. I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. Their nets were breaking. I want to go back up to verse number, verse number five. Peter said, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Have you ever been in a season of your life where you have worked and you've worked, you fished and you fished, if you will, but you had nothing to show for it? You have sacrificed, you have sacrificed in the workplace. You have got there early. You have stayed late. You, you have done everything else to do. You have given other people the credit. You, you have done everything it takes for you to get the promotion or the raise, and you didn't get it. I'm sure we've all been there before. You've worked, you fished all night, but you weren't catching. You were just fishing. Maybe you had been, maybe you had disciplined. I have to say discipline because we're on the podcast, but you know what that means, don't you? You have disciplined all night. You have disciplined your children. You, you, you have just really handed it to them. You better act right in public. When somebody talks to you, you better, you better look up and smile at them. This is what I'm having to do with my three-year-old. And then, sure enough, they walk in the door and Somebody says hi, and they don't look up, they don't smile, they just growl, and they keep on going, and you fished all night long, but you haven't been catching. Whether you're a fisherman or not, there's seasons of your life where you have fished all night long, but you came up empty. And, I'm, and, and I want to make this spiritual application that there has been seasons in the church that you and I attend where we have fished all night long. We have fished all week long. We have fished for years. We have done what we were supposed to do for years, but we have not been catching. We were just fishing. We thought we were wasting money on buying tackle. We had used all the tackle and we had to go back and get more. We had done everything we knew to do. It got to a point where we felt like we were being bad stewards of our money because we were doing all of this and was seeing no results. But let me tell you, you just keep on fishing and eventually you're going to start catching. What you're doing is not wrong, but you just might be at the wrong place at the wrong time. But eventually you're going to get to the right place at the right time and God's going to bring 
bring forth a harvest that fills up your nets. A few years ago, Pastor preached a message from the same text, and he entitled the message, My Nets Break. But let me tell you something right now. In this story, the nets did not break. And I've come to tell you that no matter how full our nets get, they might get stretched, they might get worn out, but the nets will not break. God is going to hold the harvest that he is sending our way. And I want to tell you that he is sending a harvest. He is doing a work. We might be like the disciples right now and we might be toiling all night long, but in the morning time, we're going to start catching. In the morning time, we're going to throw out our nets one more time. We might throw it out begrudgingly, but when we pull that net back, it's not going to come back as easy as it did the cast before, for there will be a harvest of fish. There will be life in that net that will be sustenance, that will be life for the future of the church. There will be a Sunday school teacher for your children. There will be a Sunday school teacher for your grandchildren. There will be a pastor for the future. There will be a tomorrow caught in the harvest of today. And I'm thankful that in today's catch lies tomorrow's hope. What we do today is laying the foundation for tomorrow's church. If we are going to be a multi-generational, multicultural church that lives longer, if the church lives longer than we do, we are going to have to begin fishing for tomorrow. I'm not fishing for me. I'm not fishing for my own good, but I'm fishing for the hope of a beacon of lighting the light, shining the light of Jesus Christ for tomorrow. When I'm dead and gone, if the Lord tarries in the church still exists, I want it to be a lighthouse. I don't want it to be like a cathedral that pastor visited in Rome just a couple weeks ago that's just a tourist attraction, but I want the church to be a living, breathing place that is still in operation. They had fished all night with no success. The disciples, they had to be exhausted. I have felt they're exhausted. Just about a month ago, I was at their exact same point of exhaustion. It's not, it's not only mental, it's not only physical exhaustion, but it's mental exhaustion because your mind is so alert. And any move of the lure or, or, or the bait, whatever you are fishing with, your mind is so in tune that you feel the slightest move and you and you freeze and make sure the and make sure uh, 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 that it's not a bite or it's not or it's not the current or not to, you're not hitting the bottom it's mentally exhausting if they were any if they were anything like me they wanted to quit they wanted to paddle back to the truck they wanted to drive the long hour and a half back across Houston to the north side so they can get in bed and sleep for an hour or two before I uh, 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 before you have to get up and take the kids to school. But Jesus encouraged them to make one more cast. And I want to encourage Conroe United Pentecostal Church to keep on casting. Just make one more cast. Don't give up. Don't be weary in well-doing, but keep on doing what you know to do. Keep on doing what you know is good to do. For he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. You could be living a holy lifestyle and be a sinner. You could be faithful in your attendance to church and still be a sinner, all because you quit 
fishing. All because you quit casting the net. We should never be weary. We should never weary of casting. Yes, there will be seasons of weariness that come upon us, but we should push through the struggle and keep on casting because it might be my next Sunday school teacher. It might be your child's next mentor. It might be the next youth pastor. It might be the next usher. It might be the next sound man. It might be the next preacher. We got to keep on keeping on. Church family, wake up. I'm not talking about just this morning. I'm talking about the wake up to the spiritual climate in which we are living in at this moment. Wake up and cast your net. Wake up and catch a little bit of the harvest. Jesus said, turn to the other side of the boat and cast your net. The last half of verse number five says, nevertheless, this is Simon Peter talking, at your word, I will let down the net. We need to have a nevertheless moment. Nevertheless of our fatigue, nevertheless of my doubt, nevertheless of my bad attitude, nevertheless of what I do and what I don't like, I'm going to keep on doing what I know we should do. Nevertheless, we will reach the city. I don't care what they say say about us. I, I don't care what the gossip is about us. I don't care what uh, I, I, I don't care about any of that because uh, they, all they're doing is talking. I'm not committed a life to talking. I, I am committed a life to doing. I am committed a, a life to reaching. I am committed a life uh, to making a difference and making an impact on the world around me. Being a fisher of men is something we is not something we do on occasion. It's not something we just do when we, uh, when the weather's right. We're not fair weather fishermen, uh, but it's it's a lifelong mission. It's something that we are fully committed to doing every day that we wake up, even in the midst of our humanity and in our own desires, our own pride of life and lust of the flesh, if you will. We still wake up and we go fishing. God did not say us for you to be a part-time fisherman. God did not save you to have relationship with him on a a part-time basis, but God saved you so that he can live in relationship with you on a daily basis. And relationship with God on a daily basis inspires us to spread the good news that we have experienced and the life change that we have experienced. It inspires us to share that with others. Relationship always, always always leads us to fishing and fishing will always lead you to catching you won't catch on every cast you won't catch during every Bible study but there is a Bible study that you will catch on there is a cast that you will catch on there is somebody that you witness to that you will connect with your personalities will line up and it won't be just casting for casting sake but it will be a divine appointment with someone who has been praying and who has been crying and asking God to send someone their direction. I I believe with everything in me, God orders our steps, and he orders our steps to people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that God ordered someone into your life? Aren't you thankful that maybe, maybe you were born and raised in church? Maybe you're second or third or fourth generation like me born in the church, but I'm thankful that some, that someone was sensitive and they allowed their steps to be ordered into the life of my great grandparents. I'm thankful 
it might not have been in my lifetime, but it's someone else's sensitivity that led to the changing of my family tree. And you are not only changing the person's life that you come in contact with, but you are changing the very family tree in which you come in contact with. You're changing the family tree, and you are causing the family tree of Christ uh, to grow. That means we have to walk the walk continually. Look at your neighbor and say, walk the walk. And you got to talk the talk. Amen. Don't, uh, uh, don't just be a Christian at church. Don't just pray at church. Don't just do the good things when people are looking. But you be faithful in your relationship with Jesus Christ when no one is looking. For when no one is looking, surely someone might be peeking into your life. And you might be the greatest example that someone has ever seen. And you think no one is looking. Amen. So the first step in us catching fish is perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. That's just what we've just talked about, perseverance. you got to push through. you got to have a nevertheless. The second step to being a fisher of men is obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. Matthew chapter 4 says this, 419. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Last year I did a three-week series on follow me, follow me, follow me. When we follow the Lord's steps, when we follow his instruction, when we follow his guidance, our life will prosper, our our church will prosper, our community will prosper. You cannot go wrong with following Jesus. You might go through some dark times. You might go through some hard times, but I would rather go through a dark time with Jesus than go through a dark time without Jesus because it's guaranteed there's going to be dark times and hard times without Jesus. So I would I, I would a whole lot rather just go through the time with the light of the world, with the peace of God that passes all understanding, with his word hid in my heart so that I might not sin against him and that word that's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. We have to be obedient to follow God. Everybody say obedience. Catching fish requires being at the right place at the right time. It requires diligence. It requires research. Fishermen pay much attention to things like this. Uh, the weather. They pay much attention to the tides if you're fishing in salt water like I fish. Uh, you're paying attention to the wind patterns. Uh, there's a neat website some of you men might want to uh, check out, even if you're not a fisherman. It's just really neat. Tidesforfishing.com. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff that you can learn about the ocean and the local fisheries just a few hours, a couple hours uh, away from us. We pay attention to things like that. Uh, we pay attention to when the tide is at its lowest, the fish will move. When the tide is at the highest, the fish will move. And you want to be fishing at the right time. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is very much the same. You have to pay attention to things like people. You have to study people. You don't have to be nosy. You don't have to be rude. But you need to have an eye for people, a discerning eye. Not a gift of discernment for what's going wrong in their life, but a gift of discernment of, is this the right time to approach? my coworker, is this the right time to make the cast? Is the climate right? Is the conditions lining up for me to make the catch? We must be sensitive to people's needs. We must be sensitive to where they're at. We must be sensitive with how we bring up the conversation of the good news of Jesus Christ. We must use discernment, as I've already mentioned, on 
how we initiate our, tent, our, our attempts uh, to, uh, to bring people in to the body of Christ, to catch people in to the net. We're not trying to catch people into the net to bind them and to kill them, but we're trying to catch people into the net to, to bring them into life everlasting, to a, to, to a new type of fulfillment. Amen. Jesus said this, follow me, follow me. You see, it's possible to fish without following God. I can go fishing at the wrong time, and I'm still fishing. I can go fishing in high winds. I can go fishing when the storm is coming in, as the storm is happening. You see, the thing about a storm when you're fishing is you want to go about, uh, uh, about, about 18 to 24 hours. There's a small window. The fish know that the storm is coming, and so they feed, 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 feed like crazy, knowing that the storm is coming, knowing that the water is going to be murky, knowing that the water temperature is going to change. So they go into hiding. They go into a short hibernation, if you will. We must be sensitive we must be sensitive to follow God and be aware of what's going on so that when we fish, we are fishing effectively. We must constantly be in pursuit of Jesus Christ and his plan for not only our life, but his plan for those around us. And he will teach us, and he will guide us, and he will fill our mouths with the words to say, and he will fill the people's hearts with the spirit that they have been longing for if we pay attention to the surroundings. You can't just go blowing into a situation in a volatile situation and say, you need Jesus. You don't need this. You need Jesus. You can go in and Jesus juke them, if you will. I'm having a bad day. I've got this going wrong. I've got that going wrong is what your coworker might be saying. And you don't just say, well, you need Jesus in this moment. That might be what they need in that moment, but don't just throw up a Jesus bomb. You sneak up on them. You're not sneaking up on them to take advantage of them, but you are trying to be you are trying to be sensitive to the needs of life that they feel. People know a fishy Christian when they come. I don't want to be a fishy Christian, but I want to be a genuine Christian. I want to be a Christian who people know love them and who emanates the love and the light of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8 says this in 29. If it's possible to fish... It says this, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. The Spirit told Philip, Go over there, and you need to do this. We must be obedient to the Lord. Everybody say obedient. We have to be obedient when the Lord is leading people into our life. For he can lead people into our life, and if we are not obedient to the will of God and to the voice of God in our life, we will not seize the opportunity that is before us. That's why we have to be vigilant. We have to pray without ceasing, as Paul said in Thessalonians. We have to always be in tune with the Spirit. In, in, in this passage of Scripture in Acts 8, Philip approached a man who was reading one of Isaiah's prophecies. You can go and you can read the and you can read um, you can read these verses. It's very it's very very neat. The whole chapter is neat, but I just want to read a couple verses. I don't think you'll have these on the screens, but here it is. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, "I ask you of whom 
does the prophet say this of himself or, or of some other man? So the eunuch, the man on the chariot that had just read the prophecy of Isaiah and he didn't know, is Isaiah talking about him? Is Isaiah, is Isaiah talking about himself? Is, talking about God? is, Isaiah, is Isaiah talking about us today? Who, who, what is going on here? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. The next verse says this, now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What is hindering me? Because Philip was sensitive to the voice of the Spirit when the voice of the Spirit said, go over to the chariot and get on that chariot and engage with the eunuch. Philip was obedient. And today I want to ask the exact same question to Conroe United Pentecostal Church that the eunuch asked of Philip, what hinders? What hinders? What hinders us? What hinders you from answering the questions you are asked during the week on your workplace? What hinders you from teaching a Bible study? What hinders you from being obedient to the voice of the Lord in your life? You see, the eunuch was asking, what's hindering me from getting baptized? What he was really saying is, Philip, there's water. Here am I. Why haven't you offered to baptize me? Why am I having to ask you to baptize me? Could it be that we shouldn't have to wait for people to come and ask us things. We should just be in tune with the Spirit and know that people around us are hungry and this person is hungry and is interesting in what I have and the hope of Jesus Christ in me. So I'm going to be sensitive to the Spirit and obedient and I'm going to engage with them. It takes spiritual discernment. What hinders you, church family? What's hindering a revival? I'll tell you what hinders a revival. It's us. It's our flesh. We have to have less of our flesh and more of God and the revival will come. Everybody say less of me and more of God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning if you can. What hinders, what hinders? I want to read the same story that we just read in Luke chapter 5. I want to read that from John's perspective and John chapter 21 says this, Simon Peter Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Jebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you. Kind of like what my buddy said to me, I'm going fishing, I'm going catching, are you coming? So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. You see, this is, uh, this is the same story that we read in Luke 5, exact same story, but from a different perspective. Uh, this, uh, uh, the verses following this, John, in John chapter 21, tell the story of Jesus telling the men to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. The same story, just a different perspective. <laughs> For us to be doing the right thing in the wrong place, we must tune our ears, church family, to the voice of the Spirit. We must be in tune with the Spirit. We must be in tune with the Father, for we can be in 
in the right place but facing the wrong direction as the fishermen were in the boat. Uh, they were at the right place at the right time, but they were facing the wrong direction. That's why direction matters in our life. Uh, direction matters in your life. Uh, if you are facing Sodom or if you are facing the promised land, it matters in your life. Uh, if I am facing the King of Kings or if I am facing the Lord of Lords, uh, well, I'm at church, I'm at the right place, I'm doing the right thing. You can be in the right place but facing the wrong direction. Church family, let me challenge you as this harvest begins to unfold and as the prophecy of years and years begin to come to pass in the life of this church. Don't let the prophecies go by and you not be involved in the process. Be facing the right direction. Be facing the direction that God has commanded us to face. There should be a stronger response to this. We should not be facing the world. We should still be facing the things of God. It's hard to preach against a lot of stuff in 2016, but I can still tell you, you ought to have a pure relationship with Jesus Christ. And that pure relationship with Jesus Christ will lead you in the direction that you need to be. You, I, there's, not a, there's not enough rules that we can preach. Pastor mentioned it Wednesday night in his lesson. As soon as we preach against something, uh, this thing, uh, the exact same thing in another format or another medium is going to pop up over here. We can preach rules, 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 and objects and things. Uh, we can preach that, or we can preach, have a line across your heart uh, that says, I'm not going to go there uh, because that points me in a direction uh, that, is, uh, 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 that is not inclusive to the Spirit of God, uh, that is not right for the Spirit of God to live in my temple. And I am indeed the temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the building where we gather is just a building. It's just a, a church. God doesn't get here until we get here. Yes, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at one time. But his power does not live in a building. His power live in the people. And when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise, the building becomes a tabernacle. The building we see becomes something that God sees. So it takes obedience, it takes perseverance, and then it takes a group effort. Everybody say group effort. I spoke to you just a few weeks ago about corporate worship, and I want to talk for a few minutes about corporate effort. Corporate effort. I'm, I'm, I'm on this kick right now about not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. For I can give one way and you can give another way that's much greater, but when it comes from sacrifice, it's really equal. We must all contribute equally when it comes to sacrifice. And I'm not only talking, I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about uh, our effort and our energy and our, our actions, our engagement in the body of Christ, in the church. Uh, there were seven people fishing that night. Seven disciples were on the boat. There were seven fishermen. Some were casting the nets. Some were standing by close, willing to grab the fish out of the nets and keep the nets straight as the fishermen were pulling the net back into the boat. Uh, others were rowing the boat. Others were steering the boat. Uh, others were probably 
there, uh, there's, uh, there's a myriad of different things that they could have been doing, but it's safe to say that everybody had a job. There was nobody on the boat that was just sitting there enjoying it. Uh, I'm sure they were all enjoying it because they were fishermen. It's what they love to do, but it was work. They were still engaged in the process. Everybody on the boat uh, was working. All in some way. Why? Because all were needed. Everybody say, I'm needed. I'm needed. Good. You can never be told now that you are not needed around the house of God because you just told yourself that you're needed. You are needed around the house of God. Our vision is great. Jesus said it like this. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. That, if that is not true in our church, then we are doing something wrong. We are reaching the wrong demographic of people. We are reaching the church and not the unchurched. If we do not have enough laborers, that means we are are doing something right. And I'm thankful that we don't have enough laborers. I'm thankful that we have more vision than we have more, resor- uh, uh, than we have more resources. I, I never get to the point, I never want to get to the point where we have more resources than we have vision. I always want our vision to exceed our resources. That's not an excuse to be a bad steward with money and people and, and ministries. I'm not saying we should be bad stewards, but I'm saying that we should have more vision. There should always be a next step in mind. There should always be be another short-term goal to reach. There should always be another thing on the list that we need to check off. And the only way that that's going to happen is for you and I to actively engage in the community, for you and I to be actively engaged in the church, in the body of Christ, doing what we need to do, doing whatever it is that's needed, not doing what you want to do, not doing what you like to do, but doing what is needed, doing what, picking up a limb on the way in, picking up trash in the parking lot, parking away from the door so our guests can park close uh, to the door. There's so many different ways that we can serve. There's so many different ways uh, that you and I can play a vital role in the harvest uh, that God is sending our way. We are all needed. You are needed. We have something uh, for you to do. It takes a corporate effort uh, to reach uh, the, uh, it takes a corporate effort to reach the lost and to fulfill the purpose of that God has given uh, this church. You see, in order for God's will to be done and, and and, and, and for biblical church growth to take place, it's going to take everybody doing their part. It's going to take everybody doing their part. It's, it's not just 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, but it's going to be everybody doing their part, everybody actively involved in ministry. Well, I'm not a preacher. I don't sing. I'm not gifted I don't have the courage to get up in front of a small group of people, much less a big group of people. That's fine. There's so many areas of helps that we need. There's so many. Uh, 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 there's so much organization. There's so much things that need to be done so the harvest can take place. See, the Great Commission says this. The first two words are go ye or go you. It doesn't say go you with courage. It doesn't say go you who are not bound with stage fright. It doesn't say go you who are afraid to talk in front of people. It doesn't say go you who can sing. It says go That means all people. Everybody should go ye into the world. And when each of us carry the gospel into our portion of the world, the command of go ye will be fulfilled. 
We can't all take the gospel everywhere in our community, but you go where you go, you go where you like to go, you do what you like to do, I do what I like to do, and go where I like to go, and by us doing that, we will naturally go out and reach all people. Go ye into the highways and the byways. The Great Commission requires cooperation. It gets quiet when we start talking about this because now we're not talking about the all the high stuff that we started with. Now we're talking about life application. Now we're talking about really getting down and working. Now we're talking about really having have, uh, us having to get forth uh, and put forth work or people having to rely on John chapter 21 says this. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish. That puts a smile on my face. Full of large fish. I, I like those big fish. 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. So going by that means that the net looked like it was breaking. The net was stretching. There, there, uh, 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 there might have been some tears. There, there might have been some fractures. There could have been this, uh, but the net was not broken. I'm thankful that there's a harvest coming to our church where the critics will say the net is breaking and they cannot contain them. But to those, but to those critics, I point them to the book of Acts where 2,000 were added to the church in one day. And if God could sustain 2,000 in the book of Acts, surely he can sustain 100 or 200 or 300 or 400 or 500. We should have faith for big revival. We should have faith for big things to happen we didn't get a big response there because this we hear things like this we say things I've said things like this well fast growth isn't good growth that's not healthy when you grow fast that's not healthy if we grow too fast we'll have problems we'll have administrative problems we won't be able our, our ministries won't be able to handle the people that come we won't have teams in place we won't have the organizational structure in the church with leadership but also just with just with the logistics of how the church operates we won't be able to do that we need to grow slow we need to do this have we lost faith church family that God can send a supernatural harvest of souls to our church I'm afraid that I, I'm afraid that we've covered up our lack of faith in excuses things like well Growth, fast growth isn't good enough. Fast growth is not healthy. Fast growth is going to mean things change. Fast growth means the net might break. I hope the nets do break. I hope we have to buy a new net. I hope we have to buy more nets. I hope we, I hope we have to get rid of the pews and fill the sanctuary up with chairs. I hope we have to tear out a wall. I, 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 I hope this happens. I would rather have that problem than the problem we have this morning with empty pews. I would rather a full net breaking than an empty net with nothing in it. Yeah. 
So I tell you in the spirit this morning to expect a large catch. Expect a full net. I, I, I warn you this morning that it's coming. I speak under the unction of the authority of the Holy Ghost this morning. Expect a large catch. I have not had the courage and the boldness to preach like this myself. I understand your timidity of even responding this morning. But expect a large catch. In the name of Jesus. Expect revival in the name of Jesus. Expect it in the name of Jesus. The past year, I've gotten really close with Brother Gurley's son-in-law, Tyler, and me and Tyler were talking a few days ago, and he was asking me if we've ever planned a baptism Sunday, like, hey, we've announced to the church, on this day, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. I said, we've done that in the past, but be ready, you're going to be criticized, because the critics are going to say, well, you should baptize them as soon as they get the Holy Ghost, and indeed, as soon as somebody gets the Holy Ghost, we want to baptize them, but I believe that there's a harvest coming so fast that we can't baptize them all as soon as they come in. We just have to say, be at the church at this time and we're going to baptize you. And, 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 and I know what the critics say. The critics are going to say, well, what if God comes in those two days? Well, Scripture said he's coming in the moment of a twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye can happen before I leave the altar and get to the baptistry. He can come in that time too. But I believe that great things are going to happen. In October, First Church of Pearland, Brother Gurley's church, they are planning to baptize 100 people. They don't know how it's going to happen. Happen. They don't even have that many candidates right now ready, but they believe that God is sending a harvest. And I say, why don't we get big vision? Why don't we, why don't we get ready for big things to happen in Conroe? I don't want to miss what God is doing in the Houston area. I am ready to receive what God has for this church. Let the critics talk. Let them talk. While they're talking, we're going to be reaching. While they're gossiping, we're going to be praying people through. Uh, We're going to reach a harvest. Uh, We're going to save a city. Uh, We're going to reach all that are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Put your hands together and stand with me this morning, church family. Why don't you let your faith run wild? Uh, That revival is coming. Uh, Growth is going to happen. We don't see it right now, but it's happening in Jesus' name. Uh, God enlarge my vision. Uh, God enlarge my territory. God enlarge this building. Uh, God enlarge this campus. Uh, If somebody needs to come in and buy us out, uh, let them buy us out. Uh, God provide the funds to reach the demand of the harvest. Uh, Some trust in horses uh, and some trust in chariots. Some trust in the budget and the records of the church that we can look back over the past four years, and that's good and needed. We need projections, but I trust in the supernatural. I trust that a 50-soul revival can happen. I believe that a 100-soul revival can happen. I believe a church of 500 is within reach. I believe two Sunday morning services are within reach. I believe it's possible. For with God, all things are possible. And I have God on my side. Put your hands together if you believe it this morning, church family. Why don't you say it out loud? I believe it. Come on, say it out loud, real loud. I believe it. 
I believe it. Uh, revival is now. Revival is now. It's revival time. It's harvest time. It's time to win souls.